The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Praise the name of the Lord. Last week we we started a, a series titled, We Are the Church. And we explained that the, the earliest form, expression, the earliest expression of the church, as we know, is found in, in the book of uh, Acts of Apostles in the Bible. And, and that the church is, um, it is not a building. The church is an assembly of God's people. The church is God's family. So the church is not a building you go to. We said it is a family you belong to. The church is not a building you go to, it's a family you belong to. So the, the concept of, oh, I'm going to church, I'm, I'm going to a building, no, should change to, I'm going to church like I'm going home, I'm going to family, praise the name of the Lord. And we explain that church is a, the church is a body, we are a body, the church is a body. And every part of your body is important. Every part of your body is important. And we are different. And because we are different, we have different functions. And so because the hand is not the eyes, the hand cannot say to the eyes, I have no need of you. Or because the, 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 the toe is not the tongue, the toe will not say, because I, it has always been my vision to be the tongue. Because I am not the tongue, I am not a part of the body. And we explain that we are all a member. This, if you are saved, Jesus is the Lord of your life. We are a member of one family. And that God usually expects you and I to be a member of a local church. And we explain the concept of the local church. God doesn't want you to just be floating around. God wants you to be a member of a local church. And, and we use the um, World Cup as an example. That, you know, the reason you cannot have a footballer today that would say, I want to play in the World Cup, but I don't want to belong to any nation. I want to be a floating soccer player. That will not really happen. You need to decide Quickly, which nation you belong to by the time you are 18. Praise the name of the Lord. And so it is with the church. God, God, God expects you and I, and because the, 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 the way God works is, as we are going to see today, is, is, is that God has chosen to be with his people. He's like a father that always stays with his children. Always. So we will continue um, from that um, um, uh, place and today we'll stay in the same text which is Acts of the Apostles chapter 2 verse 42 um, to like 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. I read. It says all the believers, everyone say all the believers, all the believers devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day the Lord, everyone say the Lord. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we, we see here from this passage of scriptures some words are jumping out at us. All the believers fellowshiped all the believers met together in one place. All the believers, they worshiped together each day, praising God, fellowship. So we see here immediately that the second thing that, you know, last week we looked at community, that the second thing that, is, that the, the, the early church was major, major in is worship. Is worship. So not only do they gather for community, they gather for worship. They are big in worship. They are big in worship. And worship is so powerful that when we, when we come together to worship, it's so, so powerful. In fact, since recorded history of man, every human race no matter how primitive or no matter how advanced, has worshipped something since recorded history. Every, every tribe, every race on earth has worshipped something. The ancient Persians, they used to serve daily meals to their god so that the god doesn't get hungry. They just give the god, the god conflicts in the morning, maybe, or whatever <laughs> their food is. The, the Canaanites, they, they went Father, they, they, they used to offer up their children to Molech, to their God. The Egyptians, of course, you and I know, they used to worship the sun and, 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 and Nile. The first North Americans used to worship the forces of nature. The sun, the wind, the, the rain, the earth, mother nature and all that. Africans, like you and I know, I'm part of, our ancestors used to worship many deities. In fact, Africa is one of the only tribes in the world that, as far back as it is known, acknowledges a supreme God, but never understood the priesthood of the supreme God. In, in, in different cultures, in, in, the, in the west part, part of Nigeria, they, they, they call that God Elijah Mary, they know he's there somewhere, but they don't, there's no priesthood to, to him. They have a priesthood to Ifa, to Obatala, to, to Orumila, to, to Oshun, to Oguntu, and on and on and on and on and on. But they don't, Elijah Mary is there somewhere, but they don't, there's no priesthood to him. They don't, they don't know how to access him. So, so they access the smaller gods. And in the Far East, 
they, they, they used to worship their ancestors. And part of Africa, we, we do a lot of ancestral worship also. What all this means is simple. <laughs> is that as different as the cultures were, as, as different as they were in their orientation, in their advancement in technology, they illustrate one fact. And that fact is we were wired to worship. We were wired to worship. In, in this time and age, the, the, the small letter G gods have been replaced with the, with the God of self. With the, with, with the God of self. So, so people don't, don't go to shrines anymore. They, they are their own shrines. They are their own God. In fact, they, you, know, you can be so engrossed in your, yourself. You know, statistics says that the number of selfies, you know when you take a selfie, has increased astronomically. You know why? Because people are more conscious of themselves now. So you, you go on Facebook, someone just poses like just, just pieces on Facebook. People are getting dressed, they are painting their lips, they are putting all the makeup. They are not going out, they are going to the bathroom to take a selfie so that they can put it on the internet. So you get dressed just to go to the bathroom and I need to post this. Now, is there anything wrong with that? Pastor, you say that's wrong. No, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it can get to a point where it is all about you. Praise the name of the Lord. And you become the small letter G God. But you see, when we come together as a people, and, and, and the Bible says that we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. So the priesthood that was missing to access the supreme God, God has established in you and I through Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So when we come together to worship, Jesus says that where two or three are gathered in my name, guess what? There I am in their midst. It is so powerful. That is the power of, of the church. The presence of Jesus is the power of the church. Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in their midst. God is there. Jesus is there. You know, I was speaking to a lady this morning. You know, um, we, we, we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well. And we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, and she said to me, she, she wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and I said, it's back of my mind, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to kind of um, hook her up with someone that will pray with her to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that didn't happen. So today, I finally said to her, okay, you know what, I'm going to hook up with someone. She said, don't worry, um, I'm already baptized in the Holy Spirit. I already prayed in tongues. I said, what happened? She says that she was in a departmental meeting and they were praying and she was, Pwah! began to pray in tongues. I mean, isn't that fantastic? Where God is, there's no ceremony. God, as you're sitting down here, God is healing you. He's touching you. He's cleansing you. No drama. Where two or three are gathered in my, in my name. There I am in their midst. So the irony of the matter is if, there is, if, if we gather and, and something is missing, the most important person that's supposed to be there is not there, Jesus 
was listening to a lady um, minister at one of the conferences that I attended some, some time ago. And, and, and she said that she, she, she went to, to Starbucks. I've said this before. She said she went to Starbucks and, and Starbucks didn't have coffee. You know, Starbucks is the number one coffee house, presumably in the world, you know. Starbucks didn't have coffee. So, so she tweeted that, I mean, Starbucks and Starbucks doesn't have coffee. And somebody tweeted her back, no, that I was in McDonald's the other day and McDonald's didn't have burger. And I person says, oh, I was in Kentucky Fried Chicken and they didn't have chicken. And it went on and on. And everybody was laughing at what's wrong with these people. But the irony of this whole thing is that if you and I gather in church and Jesus is not present, it's like going to Starbucks and coffee is not present. It's like going to McDonald's and there's no burger. It's like going to Mr. Biggs and there's no donut. <laughs> or going to Mama Put and there's no Amala. Something is wrong. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so there's no escaping it. You are wired for worship. Your spirit, your soul, and your body is wired for worship. It's programmed. You are programmed to worship God. You are programmed to worship God. If, 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 you're, if you're not functioning well, check. You, check your worship. It's as simple as that. If you're not functioning well, check your worship. You are programmed to worship. This phone is programmed for communication. This phone is programmed for communication. It's designed for communication the same way you are designed for worship. It's designed to send texts, to send messages, to make phone voice calls, to make video calls. It's designed for communication. This microphone is designed for what? Communication in its own way. I could take this phone and use it to play table tennis. Can't I do that? To some extent, I can hit the ball back, right? Table tennis, the ball will go back. Right? But this phone will never reach its potential playing table tennis. Never. You and I are designed for worship. We are designed for worship. And our hearts is where worship flows from. Our heart is where worship flows from. Jesus says that the Father is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Talks about the heart. The heart is where worship flows from. So, what kind of heart makes worship effortless? What kind of heart is a heart of worship? What kind of heart makes worship bubbles and overflow? Number one, a grateful heart. A grateful heart makes worship effort. You see, it is almost impossible for you to be complaining and be worshipful. It's impossible for you to be grumbling. Why, why didn't God do this? Why didn't God do that? And for you to be able to worship a grateful heart, you need to pause and check what are the things that God has done in my life and begin to enumerate them. At least you are well. At least you can sit down by yourself. I hope 
at least you can smile if you choose to. You know, somebody has, some people have made up their mind, they are not smiling in the church today. Grateful heart. Psalm 103, 1 to 3. That's not 1, 1 to 5, maybe. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless the Holy Name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who, let's start from forgiving your iniquities. If you are saved here and your sins are forgiven, you, in fact, you can be saying thank you till eternity. I can. Then healing your diseases, <laughs> redeeming your life from destruction, filling you with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfying your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the name of the Lord. A grateful heart. If you are murmuring and complaining, you can't be worshipping. They don't go together. The heart overflows with worship, a joyful heart. Philippians 4.4, 4. a joyful heart. A joyful heart. Now, before we read Philippians 4.4, 4, the background to this is, Paul was in prison in Rome. He has been flogged. His rights has been stripped away from him. And he was in chains. And Paul, in prison, flogged, in chains, could still say. Philippians 4.4 4. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And he says, I will say it again. Rejoice. You know, I can put myself in Paul's situation. You know, there are certain times like you want to say, praise the Lord. And, and something in you say, praise the Lord. Whoa, what's that? Look at you. have not even paid your bills. You are saying, praise the Lord. And I say to myself, I will say it again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I feel that's where Paul was in here. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And something in him says, how can you say rejoice? You are in chains. You are in prison. And Paul answered back, I will say it again. Rejoice. Some of us need to get to that place where we say it again. When we say it again. When we say rejoice and everything in you says, you can't be rejoicing. And you, like Paul says, I will say it again. Rejoice. You know why? Because a joyful heart is a healthy heart. A joyful heart is a healthy heart. And when joy is present, worship is possible. You can't worship if you are not joyful. You can't worship if you are not joyful. You can't worship if you allow sorrow to, to engulf your heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So we see that a heart of worship, a heart of worship is a grateful heart. A heart of worship is a joyful heart. Number three, a heart of worship is a carefree heart. 
It's a carefree heart. Philippians 4, this same Paul, in the same prison, in, in chains, the same chains, with affliction. Says, don't worry about anything. I mean, isn't that just perplexing? Don't worry about anything. Paul, but you're in, you're, you're in chains. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. He says, be mindful for nothing. Be mindful for nothing. Now, this is either God or denial. Be mindful for nothing. With everything that is facing us in this country, with all the challenges, I mean, before us, God is saying, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. He says, but pastor, This part of the country saying they want to join Cameroon. Another part says they want to join Togo. God says, don't worry about it. But they are killing people every day. My cousin in Joss had, had, had gone through ABC. I mean, there's no hope. There's mayhem everywhere. God is saying what? God is saying... Don't worry about it. But he's saying pray about it. Thank God for everything. And the peace of God that the people cannot understand will just keep your heart. In other words, you will be at the office, everybody's complaining, everybody's wondering what will happen next, and you are at peace, and you're like, what is wrong with you? It's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So, a heart of worship is a heart of is a grateful heart. Okay, fine. A heart of worship is a joyful heart. A heart of worship is a carefree heart. And number four, a heart of worship is a content heart. A content heart. St. Philippians 4, 11, the word of God says that, not that I was ever in need. It's Paul speaking. It says, for I have learned how to be what? Content. How to be content. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Or with everything. It says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty stomach, with plenty or with little. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, it is saying, I have learned to be content 
Many of us, we need to learn to be content. We need to learn to be what? To be content. We need to learn to be content. And contentment has nothing to do with poverty or riches. You can be a poor, uncontent person. You can be a rich, uncontent person. I'll show you the story of a young man that has high blood pressure. Serious one. I don't know if he's still alive now. True story. His doctor says that he doesn't get enough sleep. And his blood is always, you know, eating record high. And his issue is that, he says, every time he thinks that there's somebody else in this Lagos that has more money than he, he cannot sleep. Now, this guy is wealthy. He says, if he's trying to sleep and he just remembers that, ah, Fabi Monet still has more money than me. That he wakes up and he begins to hustle. Contentment has nothing to do with whether you have a lot or not. Some people think, oh, if I, if I have this, ah, then I'll be fine. Think about it. Five years ago, when you t- didn't have it, didn't you think when you had it, you'd be fine? Now, don't you have it? Are you fine? You know why you are not fine? You are not content. And contentment is not complacency. They are two different things. I'm not saying you should be complacent. Totally different things. I'm saying you should be content. Be content. You have one car. Be content. You don't have a car. Be what? Be content. Listen. I know what it is to fast. I can't remember for how long. And the only thing I break my fast with is gallium sulfate and granite. What is the chemical name for granite again? <laughs> and that is all. And I smoke my gary. No, not smoke like this. Though. As in, I whack my gary. That's what I mean. And I eat my, my granite and I'm happy. And nobody knows. Many times, the reason our hearts are not flowing with worship is because of discontentment. Paul is saying, and sharing with us, I know what it is not to have anything. And I know what it is to have a lot of things. But guess what? Whether I have a lot or I don't have a lot, I have learned to be content because stuff don't fill you. Only God can fill you. Stuff can fill you. It's only God that can fill you. A new shoe, a new dress, a new heart, a new, a new blazer, a, a, new, a, new, a new car, a new house. You, you will discover very quickly that stuff can't fill you. And, and one of the major contenders of, of worship in the hearts of the church is, is materialism. We are not content. John Piper says this, some solid man of God. He says this, he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most content in him. 
God is most glorified in us. That is the height of worship. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we are most satisfied in him. So the, the purpose of worship is to enjoy God. You can't enjoy God when you are dissatisfied with life and with your life. And this has nothing to do with the state of your bank account. Nothing. Nothing. You can't enjoy God when you are dissatisfied with your marriage. You can't enjoy God when you are dissatisfied with your, with your life. You can't enjoy God. Whatever you are going through, thank him. Be content. Everybody be content. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says, and I quote, We delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. I mean, C.S. Lewis is a complex thinker. <laughs> Sometimes when I read his writings, I'm like, okay, what's he saying? Okay, okay this is what he said. <clears throat> He says, we delight. Why is this thing? We delight to praise what we enjoy. Because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. If you enjoy your marriage, you're always talking about your wife or your husband, right? Yes. If you, if you hardly talk about your wife or your husband, something is wrong. You, you enjoy your children. You, 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 you must mostly be talking about your children. Why? Because the praise does not only express the enjoyment, it completes the enjoyment. You talk about your, your career. You talk about the promotion you are getting. Not because you are just expressing it, but you are, it's, 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 it's complete. And it's the same thing with God. We delight to praise God, not just because we enjoy God. Because if you don't enjoy God, you can't praise God. And that praise does not just express your enjoyment, it completes the enjoyment. It really does. So a heart of worship is a what? It's a grateful heart. A heart of worship is a... It's a what? Joyful heart. A heart of worship is a... Carefree heart. A heart of worship is a... Content heart. And if you look at... Gratitude, joy, carefree content. God wants us to have worship as a lifestyle. God wants you and I to have worship as a lifestyle. Worship should be a lifestyle. Worship should be what? So, so how do I make worship my lifestyle? I've prepared my heart. I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be more grateful to God. I'm going to be more joyful. I'm going to worry less. I'm going to, be, I'm going to be carefree. I'm going to be content. How can I develop a lifestyle of worship? 
Three things, I will close. Number one, how does worship become a lifestyle from the passage of scripture we read? Number one, commit to weekly worship with other Christians. At this, in this time and dispensation, our worship times are weekly. In the New Testament church that we are modeling after, their worship time is what? Is daily. They have service every day. But in this time that we are in, we have service every week. How do I make worship a lifestyle? Commit to weekly worship. Can you put up the text again? That, that we read at the beginning. This is all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. Verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place. Verse 46. They worshipped together each day. Verse 47. Praising God and they had fellowship. So how do I develop a lifestyle of worship? Commit. So a weekly worship with other followers of Jesus. Why? Because when we come here, we are here to lift up the name of Jesus. The most important person in church is who? It's Jesus. The most important person in church is Jesus. We are here to lift up the name of Jesus. We are not here to celebrate tradition. No, we are not here out of religion. No, we are not here because of a man. No, we are here because of Jesus. I'm going to um, ask them to roll a video. Um, we are here. Amen. And it's, it's so important that we, we, we understand why we are here. You know, we understand why we gather and it is so, so important that we keep the main things, the main thing. In Hebrews 12, um, 23, from 23, you know, the, the Paul is, is, is explaining that when we come, we have not come to Mount Sinai like the Old Testament Christians. Um, well, Old Testament Christians, come on, Femi. Like the Old Testament people of God came. We have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched. And it says that you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children. Amazing. Whose names are written in heaven. It says when you come, when we come together, it says we have come to God himself. Who is the judge of all things. Since when we come together, we have come to the spirit of righteous men in heaven who have been made perfect. When we come together, he's saying we have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. When we come together, he's saying we have come to the sprinkled blood which speaks forgiveness instead of vengeance. When we come together, we have come to an innumerable company of angels. When we come together, we have come to the presence of the most high God. That's why anything can happen. Praise the name of the Lord. 
So our Sunday worship experiences are a touch point to, to, to keep us in a lifestyle of worship. Our, our Sunday worship experiences are touch points to keep us in the lifestyle of worship. In other words, when we are worshiping, hopefully, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, bombarded with the cares and the challenges of life, when we come together, his water washes our cares away, he reignites our passion for him, and our fire gets bigger, and our passion gets magnified. Then we go into the week. And Hebrews 10.25, we read this last week and explained it extensively, but I just mentioned it here. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, you know sometimes it surprises me that some, some believers think that worshiping together in church is optional. Some people don't say it, but their attitude shows that it's optional. When I feel like it, when I don't feel like it, no, 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 it's optional. It's scriptural. Praise the Lord. So to develop a lifestyle of worship, I must commit to a weekly worship with other followers of Jesus. How else? Because it's beyond just meeting on Sundays. Way beyond just meeting on Sundays. How else? Number two, I schedule a fixed time with God. I schedule a fixed time with God. I want to develop a life of, of worship. I fix a time that I meet with God. You need to fix a time. Just fix a time that you meet with God. Just fix the time. Some people are early morning people. Fix the time. Some people are nocturnal people. Fix the time. Some people are afternoon people. I don't know. Fix the time that you will meet with God. Just you alone. Yeah, I know the place of family devotion and I, I, we encourage that. Just you alone. Fix the time when you will meet with God. Fix an appointment with God. Please say to your neighbor, fix an appointment with God. Fix an appointment with God. In Psalm 119, verse 164, David says in Psalm 164, he says that seven times a day have I showed up do I have an appointment with you? He says, he says to God, I, I will praise you seven times a day because of your, your regulations are just. You set everything in motion. This is like, I think about how you put the F seven times a day. How many appointments does David have with God in one day? Seven. Wow. You, you, know, you begin to wonder why God would say, this is a man after my heart. Seven times a day. If he had an alarm, if he set it for uh, 12 noon, 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 12 noon, 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., seven times. 
he was the king, he was the most busiest person, hopefully, in, in, in Israel. Seven times a day, he would pause. I worship you, Jesus. I honor you. I adore you. And bless God. And adore God. And he will continue with his life. Then his alarm will ring at one. He will pause. He will worship God. I mean, doesn't that just sound monotonous to some people? It isn't. Because the passion to worship flows from a grateful heart. The passion to worship flows from a joyful heart. It flows from a carefree heart. It flows from a content heart. It becomes monotonous when there's no gratitude. Or the joy is gone. Or it's filled with worries and cares. Or it's not content. So David had a seven day or seven appointment day with God. Seven appointments with God a day. We do two or one and we are, it's not bad. Praise God for your one and two. Praise the Lord. And that's fine. But I, I just want to say, if you, if you don't have an appointment with God, schedule one. How do you schedule a meeting? Many of us are fantastic business professionals and all that. Schedule a meeting with God. Open your calendar. Pen the time. Set your reminder. Set your alarm. That's how to develop a life of worship. And, and when the time comes, go to God. Go to God. The MSG translation says, seven times each day I stop. You know, because his life is in motion. He says, I stop. He says, I'm a busy man, I'm a busy man, but I what? I stop. Can you stop for God? Really? I stop. And I shout praises for the way you keep everything running right. I mean, that's amazing. So I, just, I, just, I just stop and I say, Lord, aren't you fantastic? See how the moon is just in place. This is just too awesome. I, 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 I stop. Some of you are thinking, you know, it must be idle. No, it wasn't. He made time for God. He honored God. Number three. How does worship become a lifestyle? Number one, coming to worshiping with other followers of Jesus. In our dispensation, that is weekly. Number two, schedule an appointment with God. Number three, intersect your daily routines with your passion for God. And, and that is best described with Romans 12, 1. Intersect your daily routines with your passion for God. Mix your life with God. That's just what I'm saying. Mix it up. Mix it up with worship. Let your life be mixed with worship. Put it in a blender. Put your life, put worship and blend it together. Romans 12, 1, the MSG translation says, so, so here is what I want you to do. God helping you. He says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. He says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, 
and place it before God as an offering, as worship. Embrace what God does for you. Embracing what God does for you, rather, is the best thing you can do for him. So he's saying, take your life. Take your everyday, normal, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're waking up, you're eating, you're dropping the children in school, you're picking them up from school, you're going to work, you're going to jog, whatever, and mix it up with God. How do you do that? It's simple. You're going to to work, it takes 45 minutes to drive to work. Worship, putting praise and worship from the last God who gave service, and worship. You are jogging. Plug your ears and worship and pray in tongues. That's fixing it up. You are doing dishes. You are doing dishes, but you are saying, Lord, as I'm washing these dishes, Lord, wash all the dirt in my life away. Just mix it up with God. Mix your life up with God. That's how to develop a life of worship. Church, appointments, mix it up with God. So we're going to leave as I close this morning with some next steps like we had last week. This week, schedule an appointment with God. Schedule an appointment. Leave service today, get home, and schedule an appointment with God if you have one. If you have already, fantastic. Just reinforce it. If you haven't, schedule an appointment with God. Let heaven know that we are expecting Inkechi at 3 o'clock. I mean, isn't that fantastic? Heaven knows that they are expecting you at 3 o'clock. How many people are going to do that? Let me see your hands up. I'm going to do that. Good, good, fantastic. God bless you. Put on your hand. Schedule an appointment with God. It doesn't have to be a one-hour appointment. It doesn't have to be a 10 hours appointment. It could be 10 minutes, it could be 15 minutes. Just schedule it. Another next step we could take from this is <clears throat> in mixing your life with worship, look at things that you will have walked by normally. Look at the ants that is infesting your sugar and being a nuisance in your, in your home. And just look at the ants and say, God, you are awesome. You mean you made these ants as tiny as they are? Look at the cockroaches. I know it's tough for you ladies. And give God worship. Look at the mosquitoes. No, as a pastor, no, 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 no. There can't be any worship in mosquitoes. <laughs> okay, look at the stars. <laughs> look at the look at the stars. Look at the weather. Look at rain, how it falls. Look at the grass. And just stop. And just praise him because he has everything working in order. Praise the name of the Lord. That's the second 
Next step. Then it's the third thing. I don't want to, I could give you like 10 homeworks, but let me give you three. You know, every teacher knows, must know how to give homework, right? Good. Number three <coughs> would be take your time, maybe in, the, in, the, in, the, in your appointment with God, and write at least 10 things that God has done for you that you are grateful for. Hopefully, you are grateful for. Then, tell God out loud how grateful you are for them. Not in your mind. Tell them, tell him how. Out loud. Oh, I thank you for giving me. I can mention many things. And just, I thank you for this. You know, I, I Actually, I'd given up on this, you know, but you, your message came through. Those are the three next steps, if you will, challenges we want to go with. Some of us may be here. Our next step will be, I want to know God. I want to know God. This God, I want to know him. I used to be like you. until I took this step I'm about to ask you to take. I call it a step, not because I want you to come forward. You can remain on your seat. I call it a step because it's going to be a decision you have to take. You are close to, to, to church, but you are far from God. You, you come to church, but you know you are far from God. I say, Pastor, I want to get close to God. I want, I want, I want to release my life totally. To Jesus. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our, our heads. Why we are all praying and focusing on what God is, is saying to us even at this time. If that is you, like I said, I, I don't need you to come forward, but I need to know you are there. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. Pastor, that is me. Put up your hand now over your head. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you right there, my brother. God bless you right there. Put, put it up over your head and, and, and take a card. Once you have the card, you can put it down back. Who else? That is me. That is me. God bless you. If I put it up, put it up well. Your shots are going to slip a card in your hand. And that's all. You can put it down. I will pray together. That is me. I'm far from God. Pastor, pray with me. Put up the hand now. If you're online, the instructions are scrolling on the screen. And you can cry to God wherever you are on earth. And God will answer you. Now let's, let's just say to God, I'm grateful, Lord. Just tell him. Just tell him you are grateful. Tell him you are grateful. I'm grateful, Lord. Tell him you are joyful. Tell him you are joyful. Joy is a decision. Regardless of how you feel. Rejoice is an instruction. Again, I say, rejoice. Tell him, Father, I rejoice today. I rejoice. I rejoice today. Tell him I rejoice today. 
tell him I refuse to worry today, Lord. I refuse to be worried. I put my problems down at your feet. I refuse to carry it. Now tell him I'm content with you. I'm, I'm satisfied with you, Lord. I'm, I'm satisfied with you, Lord. I'm satisfied with you, Lord. When I think about And your faithfulness each day. This is not because I am worthy to receive this kind of love that you gave. I am grateful for your.